Welcome to the Digital Aircraft Secrets Podcast. I'm Mark Schultz, your host. Aviation Professionals for Digital Aircraft Operations is a forum created to help our industry to progress forward into the full implementation of digital transformation and digital systems. Thank you for listening. Hey, welcome everybody to the next edition of Recovery in Aviation. You are not going to want to miss this today. We have a really exciting show today. I have a guest speaker, Renee Bangelsdorf, who's the CEO of Charlie Bravo Aviation, and she sits on the Women in Aviation Advisory Board, and we're going to talk about diversity in aviation and women in aviation. Stand by. You are not going to want to miss this. All right, let's get going. I'm going to bring in our special guest today. Let's bring her into the frame. Hello, Renee. How are you today? Hi, I am doing so well, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. Fantastic. Hey, Renee, as we get started, I just want people to know who you are because people watching might know not exactly who you are. So can you just quickly tell everybody who you are and what you do? I am Renee Bangelsdorf, as it says right here. I'm the CEO of a company called Charlie Bravo Aviation. It's based in Austin, Texas, and we buy and sell private aircraft around the world. So jets, turboprops, and helicopters. I also am an author, a podcast host, a business coach, a professional speaker, and most importantly, I sit on the FAA's Women in Aviation Advisory Board. That is really fantastic. I mean, I just love the mix of experience and aviation. And you know, that's my passion is aviation. And I just I just love how you're bringing aviation and business together. And so on this program today, we're going to give people some really good tidbits about aviation and about business. But most of all, we're going to quickly move into the dialogue and discussion about diversity in aviation and women in aviation. And so just for a moment, I wanted to remind everybody out there is uh, it's really important to us that you share this stream, share this live stream, because then we can get maximum amount of people to watch. Now, um, if you look right down there in the bottom of your screen, this is a LinkedIn screen and you're watching it live right like this. There's a little button down there which says share. And if you'll just hit that share, it goes right off into your LinkedIn. And a lot of more people will know about our broadcast today and we'll be able to participate and hear this great information about women in aviation and how we can promote recovery in aviation. We also want to have comments. We're going to have a live Q&A session as part of this. If you put a comment in there, it actually comes right back to us and we can see it and we can address your comments as part of the conversation here today. So share this stream and comment and let's get going. All right. Hey, Renee, let me just jump right in a little bit. I think that it's really important that people understand a little bit of the foundation behind, you know, your business and what you're doing, because we're going to transition into talking about, you know, the women in, in an aviation advisory board. But people need to have a little bit of a context on what you do. And so could we maybe start out with just a just an overview of the business you're currently in? And then maybe we'll go back into a little bit further back into history. Sure, of course, Mark. And I just want to reiterate what you said. I love that you invited people to comment and share. That's so important, especially the commenting part, because I love having a broad discussion. I like hearing other people's perspectives. And so I really appreciate that you do this live and that we have that interactive element. You know, a lot can go wrong when we do it live, but it's okay. Well, it's so much more fun when it it's is. live. Yes. Um, you asked about my business. I started Charlie Bravo in 2008 with my husband, Kurt. We had both worked for another aircraft broker before that, him doing sales and me doing a little bit of their marketing. And we decided 
that because we had sales and marketing, what else do you need? We can start a business. So we picked a perfect time in the perfect storm in aviation in 2008 to start a business. And boy, oh, have we learned a lot. And I especially have, Mark, because I didn't realize when Kurt and I first started the business, I knew that he had lots of male friends in the industry, but I didn't realize that the position that I was taking as an aircraft broker was only held by a handful of women in the world. In fact, in aircraft sales and acquisitions, only 1% of professionals in that realm are women anywhere in the world. So it's a pretty small club. Um, it is growing, which I'm thankful for and grateful for, but it still does sometimes feel pretty masculine in this industry. So it's both a challenge and an opportunity, right? I definitely stand out in a crowd. There's no blending in when you're a woman in this industry, but at the same time, there, there are things that, that make that more difficult. And so I quickly became pretty passionate about that. I reached out to other women, both outside of aviation in the Women Presidents Organization and within aviation in WAI and Iowa. So Women in Aviation International and the International Aviation Women's Association. And really began seeing that if I built a tribe of like-minded women who also wanted to see more women succeed in this industry, that not only would I build a, build friendships, build my network, but we would be able to do something great for the next generation coming along. Now, Renee, um, you mentioned, you said, as far as uh, brokers are concerned, 1%, that's a fraction of what is even, you know, for pilots and for mechanics and things like that. I mean, 1%, that's a very, very small percentage of, uh, yes. of women, you know, operating in that function is, is that, um, so I know you like to do a lot of networking. You just talked about that. You said you like to reach out to people and it's all really part of your style is to really connect with people. Um, you know, tell me, uh, you know, there's a lot of different places in aviation that you've gone as far as networking with people. What are some of the industries or some of the pieces of the aviation aerospace industry where you've connected with people? I mean, just, just what type of women jobs have you connected with people in? Oh, my goodness. Well, you connected me with two absolutely amazing women this morning who run a company that builds um, parts that can be used in any sort of um, manufacturing in aviation or aerospace. And from what I understand, it's a silicon um, material that they have patented that they it's put on work. You know, they Diane and Polly, you guys, they're probably watching, but you can watch them. They're for RCF, I think it's engineering industries, but they've developed some really cool products. But, you know, I'm going to have them on the show in just a couple of weeks. But yes, is that I, I sent them to you because I said, these guys are amazing and they need to connect with other amazing, you know, um, people in the industry. And so, yeah, I connected them to you. Yes. I love it. And we have a really good business, uh, mutual business prospect that we're already working on. So thank you for doing that. But yeah. I met attorneys. I've met um, executives at airlines. I'm friends with the, the vice president of airworthiness and safety at FedEx. I've met politicians. I've met fighter pilots. Um, I have met people who work on the line. Um, I've met a number of unbelievable pilots and I've met some real pioneers 
in this industry. And the, the neat thing about aviation and aerospace as industries is that there still are worlds to conquer, right? There still are pioneering efforts out there. So if women are interested in adventure or challenge, there's definitely a place for them in this industry. Well, Renee, the reason I had you go down that list of different jobs, because in a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about that, because I think one of the challenges that we have in the industry is that young people entering into aviation aerospace, they don't even know what all the opportunities are. OK, and I could I could go on with a list of hundreds of others, you know, but let's come back to that in a second. But just to make it clear to people, um, I just want to tell them is that your business, you do sell airplanes. That's one of the things you do, though. Right. OK. Absolutely. And, and if, people, if people are interested. I went to your website and I was dreaming. I said, I'd like to have this one or this one or this one. It's it's a bit of a, a old Sears catalog where you can go pick out the best one in there, right? Well, yeah. And I mean, that's a very small representation of what yeah. we actually do. Uh, aircraft sales is a little bit like real estate in that we represent both buyers and sellers. So what you see represented here on my website are the aircraft that we're listing for sale, kind of like putting your sign in the front of someone's yard, but yeah. more often than not, we're representing a buyer and a lot of first time buyers at that people who are just getting into aviation, moving out of charter, buying their own plane or someone who's never even flown privately before. We sold a global 5000 to in 2020 because he said, I've flown commercial all my life. I'm never getting on a commercial plane again. I need a jet. And he bought one for himself and one for his wife. I mean, that's telling you kind of the, wow. the net worth of, of this guy. He could always afford to fly private and just hadn't because he didn't really see a need until his health was threatened. So we're seeing a lot of that in the industry right now. It's really an exciting time to be part of this. That's amazing. Now, Renee, so what are, what are the types of services that you provide to people then? You said you help buyers and sellers. What, what do you do for them? So we do everything from mission assessment, listening to where they fly, maybe where they're planning to expand their business, how their mission might change. And we look at budget. Um, we help select the type of aircraft and then the exact aircraft. And then we walk them through the whole process from making an offer on an aircraft to doing due diligence, negotiating the agreement, helping them find pilots or a management company through closing, um, making sure that their insurance is set up and that if we need to import or export the plane, we're doing that. And really a lot of after-purchase care with upgrading avionics, um, refurbishing the aircraft, making sure that things are going smoothly with aircraft ownership. And Mark, I have to tell you this, it's one of the greatest things about being in this business. Often, we go from being a broker for an aircraft buyer or seller to being a lifelong friend because you meet such interesting people in this in this industry. It's just amazing. Yeah, I um, I couldn't agree more. Hey, before we before we continue on, speaking of meeting people, you know, there are actually people all around the world that watch this broadcast, you know, and uh, we have people that are chiming in, you know, and I wanted to remind people is that I really like to know where people are watching from. So if you're watching this broadcast today, would you just throw a comment in the box down below there and tell us where you're watching from uh, today? Um, you know, I see we have some users that uh, 
Uh, we have uh, we have a, a friend of mine who's actually in Egypt. He comes in a lot. He's watching from Egypt, and I see Polly Rose jumped on. Polly was the company we were talking about with the RCF that you talked to this morning, and you know we have all kinds of people that are online right now. So if you are watching, hey, again, share this stream and uh, just drop a comment in there and tell us um, where you're coming from. We really like to know. It becomes part of our conversation. Um, we have Jim Robertson who's in uh, Olympia, Washington. He just threw his in there, and we have. Um, Nikki Malcolm, who's in Auburn, Washington, um, says great conversation. You know, so there's just a, a lot of people out there that are really interested in in networking and connecting. And um, I really appreciate you guys all watching out there today. So if you got questions, throw them in there because we're going to come to questions for Renee in a minute. And I want you to ask her the really hard ones. Okay. <laughs> I like those. I like the ones I've never gotten before. They make there you me go. Very good. So, keeps so me come, up with, come up with some hard questions. We have people coming in from Atlanta, Georgia. I have Mike Mullet. Mike Mullet is a friend of mine. He uh, He's in uh, laser aviation. He actually does um, he does aircraft completions and conversions, and he actually does measurements and engineering. And so a lot of people in that business. But Renee, I want to go back to a minute about your services that you were talking about. Um, Renee, there's a lot of technical aspects you know, of that. I mean, you know, I've been in industry for a long time and I'm not comfortable out going out and inspecting an engine and, uh, you know, saying this engine is in this certain condition. How in the world do you guys, you know, bring that expertise together to be able to advise people on what they should buy? Yeah, you know, really depends on number one, the client and who the team is that they already have around them. And then number two, where they are in the world, because we would bring in different experts for that reason. This is why networking is so critical, Mark. It's important to have all the pieces come together so that people who are flying are number one, safe, and number two, feel really comfortable that their advisors are steering them in the right direction. So for instance, if I know that we're going to be selling an aircraft in Australia, I'm going to call my friend David Crick and say, hey, who do you have in this net in your network? that can help my client who's going to be operating this aircraft in Australia successfully operate their aircraft there. And you'll think of five or six people that I need to talk to. And one of them will inevitably be connected to the civil aviation authority. So we can figure out the tax implications of the purchase and the import. We can figure out how it needs to be registered, where it needs to be based and all of those kinds of details. So I lean on my network pretty heavily in this. And so it's really important that I'm more of a connector than I yeah. am a technical person. Yeah, I've yeah, figured I, I out really, who to ask. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I really agree with that. I, I really rely on certain people and and uh, it's really important that we have that network. I mean, listen, you can't do business alone. And so we really want to bring people in and do business together. And so I really like that aspect of what you're saying. Hey, listen, we got a lot more people that are coming in and telling us, you know, where they're from. I have, we have some people, for, we have Alexis Aisa from Venezuela, and we have, uh, we have Diane, um, who's in Georgia, um, and we have, uh, we have Matt Churches from United Kingdom, and, uh, you know, the list continues to go on and on. Um, I have Charles Barnes from uh, St. Louis, but the thing is, is that I just love how technology has allowed us to be able to get a message out, Renee. And it's um, so great. It is. It's just amazing, isn't it? And, um, you know, worldwide, I mean, just all over the place. And so, Renee, let's go back to that conversation again. Remember, people, I want to see some questions there and I'm going to be looking for them in a minute. So put your questions in there. You can keep telling me where you're from, but I want to get some questions, too. Renee, I want to go back to this network we're talking about and uh, back to, you know, people. And the reason I brought up that list of jobs, because 
Um, I remember back when I was uh, younger and, um, you know, I, I actually was flying uh, before I could drive a car. I soloed when I was, you know, 15 and a half years old. And, and I knew that I wanted to be an A&P mechanic, but I only had this vision in my head that there were like two jobs that I could do. All right. That I could be an A&P mechanic or I could be like a co-pilot on a Cessna citation. All right. This is like, for some reason, I said, that's the only thing that I can do in life. I, mean, I, I just didn't know and understand what was in the industry. And so it's so important that as we engage with younger people in the industry and try to foster their, you know, their love and their and their interests and their directions, um, that that they they not only get encouraged to do things, but they understand what's happening in the industry. And that's one of the reasons why I try to communicate the different kind of jobs and positions and what things are doing. And so I wanted to know what your experience was. Is that is that how do we better communicate out to people what kind of jobs are out there in the industry today? Well, I think there are lots of answers to that question, Mark, but one that I really want to draw your attention to is now I wonder if you would think that men could be flight attendants. And the reason that I'm asking you that is because now we see that. I've been looking. I've been looking every time I get on a flight. I look in the cockpit to see if there's a female pilot. And I'll tell you it's one in every 53 flights right now, which is a little bit lower than I, or a little bit higher than I was expecting as far as the, the length between. But the other thing that I see are men working in the cabin. And so because we see that now, that might be a possibility for someone. So I think as we see more things, we begin to imagine ourselves in that capacity as well. And that's one of the biggest deterrents to women or even people of color entering into aviation because they don't see role models like them yeah. doing the jobs that they could see themselves in. So I think it's really important. I mean, I met Diane and Polly this morning and we actually have been in some of the same circles and never met each other. And part of that's because we keep our heads down and we just do our job the best we can. And I'm going to encourage every single woman who's here Get out of your comfort zone a little bit, stand up, allow yourself to be seen as a role model, even if you don't feel like one, because it's going to give courage and empowerment to people coming behind you. No matter, no matter what they look like, it will give them some encouragement. So that's my soapbox. I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. go back to you so you can direct me back to the question. Yeah, no good. No, that's exactly yeah. what we want to talk about. Hey, listen, let's transition to that topic of diversity in aviation and women in aviation. So um, I want to bring it to people's attention is that with this great experience you've had and your desire to help people in your background, um, you know, you've done amazing things like you've gone out and you've spoken the industry and tell us a little bit about some of the other things you're doing and how that transitioned you into this opportunity to be on the Women in Aviation Advisory Board. You know, I decided about five years ago to write a book, and I wrote that book with my best friend who was in the automotive industry. It's called Crushing Mediocrity. And we were talking about how women in male-dominated industries have to kind of be tough and vulnerable at the same time to succeed in our respective industries. And it's the same across all male-dominated industries. And what we found is that we have so much in common here. So I wrote a book um, with Lisa Copeland. I started a podcast called Defying the Status Quo. 
And in it, I interview women in all sorts of male dominated industries from manufacturing to race car driving to tech to um, flying fighter jets like the F-35 to women who are in the finance industry. And so it's really interesting to hear some common themes there. And I love doing that. Um, and then I got involved in doing some business coaching and, and public speaking. And it really led me to participation in boards and, and getting involved in the conversation about how we level up our industry. Oh, well, yeah. And, and you know what? Um, I really like what you said about encouraging people, you know, women specifically to come out of their comfort zone and to step forward. And um, I can't tell you how many women that I've met who they, I just feel like many times they underestimate their abilities and their confidence in themselves. And, and, you know, when I get to know them and when they, you know, there's a lot of ladies that aren't, but, you know, there are very outgoing, but I've met a tremendous amount of very intellectual, very solid, very capable um, women in the aviation specifically who haven't put themselves out there. And so I like the way that you're talking about encouraging that. And I like the way that you've done that, you know, with yourself. And let me just ask you this before we transition to the next segment is that Renee, you're a very outgoing person. You know, do you have, you know, places where you feel like, Hey, I'm not capable of doing this, or I'm not confident that I can pull this off. Or, you know, what, what do you think about that? Mark, I have a secret. I'm an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't believe that, but I don't I, believe that. I am. Yeah, so I believe here's that. my definition of that, right? I recharge by being myself. Extroverts, and I think you might be one, recharge by being around other people. Mm. So I'm the only introvert in my immediately in my immediate family. My husband, my son, and my daughter are all super extroverted. And I'll be the one hiding in the closet on vacation reading a book because I just need time yeah. to myself. So doing things like this, while I feel very confident doing it now, was me taking a huge step outside of my comfort zone. And it gets easier every time you do it, but you have to take that first step. And for me, the first step was introducing myself to another woman at a cocktail party at, a, at an aviation conference. And then we discovered that we had things in common and we became friendly and we invited another woman to join our conversation. So that's really where it started. It really didn't start with me saying, oh, I can be on stage because I have something to say. It started with me saying, I want to connect with one person, even if that's outside of my comfort zone. I hope that helps someone out there who's maybe a little bit shy. I hope so too. I really do. Because I, I think that um, the approach that you took was definitely one which didn't cause people to be afraid of your outgoing nature or your overbearing perspective. I mean, because every time I've met you and have talked to you, you know, I can sense that there was a genuine desire to connect and to have a conversation, you know, and to talk. And so, you know, I just think that that really comes out. And so um, I want to really encourage people to step out of their comfort zone. Now, now it looks like it looks like that led you to being able to have new opportunities, right? You know, new opportunities like being on the, the advisory board, you know, the Women in Aviation Advisory Board. Now, um, tell us a little bit about what this Women in Aviation Advisory Board is. And I threw up here the charter of that because I want to start out by just telling people, what is it, first of all? Well, I want to start with where it came from, if you okay. don't mind, Mark. There have been some discussion about this in 
the U.S. House of Representatives and in the Senate all the way back in 2015 and 2016. And there were a, a couple of senators and a few representatives on both in both parties who collaborated in beginning to explore the idea of why there are so few women in aviation and aerospace. And out of the 330 some pages in the FAA reauthorization that ended up being passed in October of 2018, there were three paragraphs that outlined a need for a Women in Aviation Advisory Board. And they identified three areas that the FAA administrator should choose these women from. One is academia, so universities and training facilities. The second was manufacturers um, or airlines, you know, big companies. And the third was um, industry associations like Iowa, WAI, OPAC, et cetera. And I didn't really fit in any of those. So I spent a lot of time writing my cover letter, hey, small businesses are really important in the United States as a small business owner, as a person who's on several of those alphabet organizations, and as someone who's just paid for her daughter to go through flight training, I think you should consider me, even though I don't fit into one of your neat buckets. Mm. And they chose me. I was so honored, so honored. But that's, it came from a bipartisan, a bipartisan um, effort to examine this topic. It's a bipartisan committee. And um, I think that it's going to be great. We're looking at what the obstacles are, um, what the opportunities are who's having success from a personal standpoint and an organizational standpoint. And then we'll make recommendations to whoever is the sitting FAA administrator and secretary of transportation at that time and to Congress in May of 2022. May of 2022. Okay. Very good. We well, so that tells us between now and then. Yeah. That tells us where it started from, but if we could just go back to that charter again, real quick, um, if we could, because in the charter itself, um, it says that there's certain key areas you're going to focus on. So you said you're going to focus on training or you're going to focus on academia and manufacturer airlines and uh, uh, and associations, right? Okay. Yes. Key so areas. We, have, we have four key areas and we have subcommittees on these four areas. So the first is what are the obstacles? And, and our biggest um, our biggest issue with researching this is that there isn't a lot of data out there. So one of the things that we've identified is that we need more data to understand how the numbers are growing um, or where they're contracting. Um, so data, uh, data points for that one. What are the obstacles? What are the actual numbers? How do we measure growth? Yeah, Renee, I, um, I hear from a lot of different people, numbers that get thrown out, you know, and, uh, you know, they're all generally about the same place. But, you know, they are varying quite a bit. One day I hear that 4% of the pilots out there are women. And then I hear that it's 2% and 6 and 7 and 12%. And so I don't know where the information is coming from. And so I do think it would be valuable. I like that idea to do some more research on what where are we really today in some of those areas. And pilots is actually one area where we have real data. So 7% of Air Force pilots are female. That number has been the same for 20 years. Wow. Okay. Um, 
we have real data about the number of female of females who have pilot's licenses, right? The FAA keeps that data. That number is about 20%, right? But not all of those women who have gotten their pilot's license have gone on to a career in aviation. So when we look at that number, depending on the airline, it varies between four and 7% reported on an annual basis, right? So it may vary just a tiny bit in the year, um, but all of the major airlines are doing a good job of trying to get women and trying to promote women. There just aren't a ton of women in that talent pool. So, yeah, so looking at obstacles is one. Second is training and education. How do we make it more accessible for girls to get introduced to aviation? And then how do we make it more affordable for everyone hmm. to participate in aviation? Because this can be really, ex really expensive. There's an amazing university in North Carolina, and Carrie Dixon's on the board with me. She's the chancellor there. It's Eliz Elizabeth City University, and it's associated with the University of North Carolina. And they're an historically black university, and they have an unbelievable program that the state of North Carolina is using to try to, to address this problem. So that brings me to the third area. We're looking at success stories. What are the programs that are putting the most people into the industry and how do we replicate those? And then we're also looking at mentoring and professional development because the biggest obstacle to women staying in aviation is that they don't have good mentorship, sponsorship, or professional development in the skills that they need to move up the ladder. Yeah, I just have so many questions to ask you in that area. It's just it's such a broad subject. So I'm going to take a quick pause, though, because there's a lot of people that are commenting. There's a few people asking questions. And I like to do it along the way because it helps keep, you know, people engaged. They want to hear that we're, you know, hearing them, you know, as part of our live discussion. So there's a couple of them there. There's one uh, There's one fairly long comment um, here that I can't really put up on the screen. But uh, uh, we're talking a bit about... Um, uh, important to put in um, real effort to engage in diverse hiring and to uh, uh, move away from Sherry's, Sherry's question. Yeah, it says, how yeah. do you think that we can ensure women in aviation are considered for high level positions? Yeah, Sherry, okay. really passionate about this and have talked at great length to other people about this. Happy to have a conversation, a, a deeper conversation with you offline about this. But this is one of the reasons that I sought a business coach. And I so embraced the things that I was learning in that, how to hire properly, how to hold meetings and hold the attention of people in meetings and get the important work done, how to do strategic planning. I've joined a group that's helping me learn the things that I would need to learn to be appointed to a public board. So encouraging women and equipping them with the ability to learn and advance to the next level putting them in groups maybe outside of aviation where they can advance some of those skills is really important. And women have to raise their hand for that. Honestly, they need to say, I want that. And I'm going to go get that development, no matter what it looks like, no matter if my employer's paying for it or not. So women, it starts with us. It starts with us being willing to get out of our comfort zone, 
being willing to ask for something that we want, which is advancement and increase in knowledge and wisdom. And then it's it's boosting each other up, right? It's saying, hey, great job. I'm going to recognize you. Hey, you just did something great. You got acknowledged for something. I'm going to post what you did on my LinkedIn because then other people take notice of that. So women don't tend to be great at tooting their own horn, but we can all toot each other's horn, right? And we need to we need to do that as well. We definitely need to encourage one another and lift one another up. There's plenty of criticism out there. Oh my gosh. Yeah, across the board, we need to celebrate the wins, yeah. right? Not, yeah, not just to do. No other questions way. about that. Hey, we have a question here from uh, Matt Churches. Maybe that one, we maybe take a look at that one here. Um, he's asking, you can probably see that there, Renee. He's asking about some of the turnover, the attrition that's happening in uh, aerospace. And uh, um, yeah, we've actually done some research into this, Matt and and uh, Becky Ludi at University of Nebraska is really, really um, invested in examining this, why we see the fallout. And I think 90% of it is the culture at the company in which that person works. Because aviation has always been so attractive to people, we haven't had to try to compete for talented people coming into the workforce. I mean, if you go back and, and watch the movies from when airline pilots were treated like gods in the 50s, and it was super competitive to get into the industry. And then we look at the landscape now where people see that tech is really exciting. You can make a lot of money in tech. Um, some other biosciences are really cutting edge. You see a lot of app development and other stuff that's that's also sexy, just like aviation. And if we don't compete there, then we lose out on the very best talent not just keeping them in, but we lose out on recruiting them in the first place. And so I think one of the important things about the work that we're doing here, and, and most of the board would agree with me on this, is that by making, by examining the ways that we can make aviation better for women, we make aviation better for everyone. Yeah. And I think by beginning to like they're doing in the UK right now with the women in aviation and aerospace charter, they're allowing companies to commit to improving their company. And as a result, that rising tide is lifting all the boats in the UK and British Airways and Rolls-Royce and Virgin Atlantic were kind of at the forefront of that. But now there are 200 some companies that are committed to improving conditions, working conditions in their company. And I think that will really help us once we grasp that as an industry. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. That's good. Hey, listen, um, everybody, uh, there's questions that keep coming in. I'm going to set them off for a minute. Um, we'll come back to them. Don't, don't think I'm going to ignore your question. I'm going to come back. But right now we're going to move on to a little bit of the next uh, the next segment here. Mark, I have to interrupt you for just a second. Okay. Because yeah. I saw Gabby's question. Yeah. In the chat here, she said, is 50 plus and a woman too late to get involved in piloting? Gabby, I turned 51 on Saturday. Um, I am getting my pilot's license this 
year. I'm getting it in May. I'm getting my written done before I get there. And then I am getting my pilot's license in a three-week period in Scottsdale, Arizona in May. So if you want to join me, <laughs> come on. Send me a LinkedIn. I'll give you the details. Congratulations. First of all, congratulations for taking that step. Okay. You know, Renee, we're all on different paths, you know, on this journey. All right. And, you know, some people start earlier, some people start later. A friend of mine, you know, he's in his 60s and he wants to fly and he started to, you know, started to take pilot um, uh, pilot lessons and he just got his, uh, his private pilot license. And so, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that we are all on a different journey and and we should pursue the things that uh, that we want to pursue in aviation. I really encourage people to go after it, really. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the fact. We're not in a pilot shortage right now because the airlines aren't flying very much. But yeah. boy, in three years, there's going to be a huge shortage again once the airlines pick back up and everyone's flying again and all those elderly pilots retire. So there will be some job opportunities as well. Renee, I've seen two airlines that are posting for, uh, you know, um, uh, openings right now for pilot openings, uh, Alaska Airlines. And it was one other, I can't remember what it was, but so I understand what you're saying is, is that it looks like that there's um, plenty, plenty out there, but there isn't, you know, right now. So uh, Erica Armstrong, who um, is really amazing, you know, in the industry, former, uh, uh, you know, captain, she now does teaching and training. But um, she, I saw a post of hers recently where she was basically putting some of those numbers out there and saying, I was predicting there was going to be a shortage and there is, okay, or there will be, you know, so I, uh, I encourage people to get into aviation at any time. Absolutely. Renee, I, I want to move to the next question. And I want to ask you this, is that you were appointed to the Women in Aviation Advisory Board, you know, last year. And it was when uh, Secretary Chow was, uh, was uh, the administrator at that time, or the secretary at that mm -hmm. time. And uh, I guess just yesterday, Pete Buttigieg was uh, appointed the um, transportation uh, secretary. Uh, how do you think the change in the administration will affect the, the significance or importance or the focus on something like women in aviation? You know, Mark, I, this came up in two other conversations that I had this morning. So obviously it's on people's minds. I don't think it's going to affect it at all. Obviously, this um, initiative came from a bipartisan congressional effort and a bipartisan congressional vote. And Elaine Chao um, personally got involved because it was very important to her. Um, I think that having a female secretary of transportation is no less weighty than having a female vice president. So I would imagine that there are going to be some people in the current administration who are pretty passionate about seeing women rise up in traditionally male dominated industries. So I don't think that there'll be any change at all. And frankly, between you and me, I think this is an easy win for any secretary of transportation, male or female, Democrat Great. or Republican, right? Good, good. No, because I think it's a very well-recognized uh, challenge in the industry right now. And so um, I wanted to go to another slide that I have here because, you know, there's some people on here that are that are pretty amazing, you know, over the years. You know, as I was, you know, growing up as a young man on the top right over there, you know, I was always amazed by Amelia Earhart and, uh, you know, the stories of Amelia Earhart and just the things that she did. And um, there's other amazing women on here that I want to talk about in a second. But, you know, um, <clears throat> you mentioned earlier 
that uh, it was important that we continued to encourage women to be successful in business, all right? And one of Amelia Earhart's early platforms was, is that she said that she needed to promote women in aviation so that they could make more money and be able to buy planes and run businesses and things like that, all right? And so she recognized early on, I mean, way back in the, the, the 40s, I guess is what it was, uh, earlier than that, that, um, that in order for women to be successful, that uh, they needed to move forward in their stature and business and they needed to be successful and to be successful in having the money to be able to do pilot training and to be able to buy airplanes and things like that. So I was just really surprised that uh, that was some of the earlier comments that she made, you know, about, uh, you know, that was, you know, 80 years ago at this point in time. Yeah. A pioneer in so many ways. Yeah. What a woman. Yeah, really. Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, going around that, uh, that room there, we have, uh, we have Shauna, Kim, uh, Sean Kimball, Kimbrell, um, you know, first black um, uh, fighter pilot uh, up there in the top left. And then uh, bottom right, we have Jeannie Yeager, of course, uh, uh, world, you know, flying around the world, um, uh, you know, nonstop. And then we have on the bottom picture there, um, we have Erica Armstrong on the left. And I don't know who that is on the right, an associate of hers. But uh, all these women, you know, just having been women who have really fought the fight to be successful in aviation. All right. And I wanted to come back to you, uh, Renee, and just say that there are so many people that I've met. I mean, you know, there's four people on the screen, but there's thousands of women who are fighting to be successful in aviation. I wonder if we couldn't take a little bit of time to talk about, you know, what, what kind of struggles did you have coming up in aviation and how do we help women, you know, that are trying to be successful in aviation to be successful? You know, one of the things that was probably a little bit of a handicap to me, and I, I don't know that I've realized it until just recently, is that I never thought that aviation could be a career path for me. I was in journal, went to journalism school, was working in the in the um, publishing business before I ended up getting into marketing and then marketing in the aviation space. But I think just having, I was handicapped by not knowing that was available to me at the beginning. And then really most, most of the obstacles that I faced Mark, in this industry, are in this eight inches or six inches, whatever it is, right here. You know, you have to overcome your own limiting beliefs. But outside of my own mental obstacles to do I belong here and those kinds of doubts, I have faced some pretty serious discrimination in this business. There have been instances of me being dismissed at a cocktail party as somebody's arm candy instead of being a serious competitor in the industry. And we've applied for um, for admission to a certain um, association in our industry that has long had the reputation of being a good old boys club. I've applied to that three times and three times been denied and they can't tell me why. So I still face it as recently as last year, um, you know, which is only 30 days behind us now, 34 days behind us now. And it still hurts when that happens. But here's the thing is that if you're going to get somewhere, you have to pick yourself back up from those hurts and move on and maybe go in a different direction. So I joined a different association and 
my company is in leadership in that association and we're making great strides with that. And so you just do something different. You don't have to follow what everyone else is doing because they set a path. Make your own path. That's that. I think getting to that place where I was like, okay, well, I'm going to make my own path. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do something even better than y'all could ever do because I'm bringing in different voices. I'm willing. I, I, to yeah, I just really like that attitude, Renee, because uh, I, I really believe that we need to. You know, we're all we all have different forces that are affecting us from different directions in our lives. And we can choice, we can choose to fight those forces and to not move forward, or we can choose to find different paths to go, you know, our own journey. And I really like that. Now, I don't want to have people interpret there aren't certain things that are important to, you know, fight for, you know, certain areas, maybe of discrimination or things like that. But I'm just saying that as I'm looking at the places that I need to go in my journey, um, is is that I want to I want to create my own path, like what you're saying, and I want to create my own successful path, not copy somebody else's. And uh, and I, I understand what you're saying, and I know that for a woman, um, that many times if you're in a place where uh, where you're perceived differently, that those forces and challenges from the outside can be maybe stronger. And so I guess that's why you know, of course, that's why you know, the Women in Aviation Advisory Board has been put in place is to look at some of those areas and how we can encourage some of those things. Um, Renee, I, I know that we have to we have to hit some people at a young age, you know, in order to be able to encourage success. All right. You know, I see on the right side there, you're holding a book. All right. What what was the point of that book that you're holding right there? You know, that was a book that was published um, called Aviation for Girls. I believe, and they sent me, the publisher of it sent me a copy of it so that I could promote it on social media. And mm -hmm. I love its presentation to young women about uh, some available jobs in aviation. Certainly they didn't cover what I do or what some other women do, but they covered some of the exciting jobs, being an aerospace engineer, working in manufacturing, being a mechanic, being a pilot, um, and that was really fun to be able to promote that, going back to promoting each other. But what we've learned, and this has been confirmed by a couple of different sources, is that the best age, the golden age to touch a young woman to ignite her passion for aviation is fifth grade. Fifth grade. So, okay. Fifth grade. So I would love to challenge all of you out there. First of all, Women in Aviation International does a Girls in Aviation Day every year. They're going to do it twice this year because they were able to get such a more broad audience turning virtual last year. So we're able to expand yeah. our reach. So Girls in Aviation Day is great. But anyone who is listening to us, either live or on a replay, take a young woman flying your daughter, your niece, your yep. neighbor's kid. Discovery flights don't cost that much, even if you don't have your own plane. If someone has an interest, encourage it. Take young woman flying. If every man in the industry took two young women flying, I bet we would solve this problem in 10 years. I love it. I love it. Hey, Renee, you know, um, uh, I, I, I like to repost or share certain posts that I find on social media sometimes. I like to create original, but 
But uh, there was one that I saw that just really struck me and I shared it. And it was in French and I couldn't even understand what the pilot was saying, but it was an aerobatic pilot. He had his young daughter in the back seat, okay? And he was doing aerobatics and her giggle and her laughter spoke everything, okay? And it was the most popular post that I had ever posted, all right? It was just this man taking his daughter up, doing aerobatics, and she was just giggling and laughing and having the time of her life. And I bet you that young lady's been impacted for life. Absolutely. Well, here's the thing that that speaks to, Mark. We've been approaching this for decades saying, hey, girls, here's a STEM career for you. Like, okay, this is a career in science, technology, engineering, or math. Huh. But if we <laughs> approach it as this is a career that lets you see the world, that helps you not have the same day any two days in a row, that is always challenging, and that can be the greatest adventure of your life, you got a lot more hand raises Fine, that kind of marketing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. STEM marketing is attractive to men, but over and over and over again, when we've surveyed women, women are in aviation for the challenge and for the adventure. That's, that's really interesting. Um, you know, Renee, uh, I grew up, or I didn't grow up, but I, um, I spent 18 years in Colorado as an adult, okay? And um, just as corroborating evidence, is the ski mountains in Colorado, they give away free lift tickets. I think it's to fifth graders. It's either fourth or fifth graders because that's the time and when they're forming their habits and their things that they're going to do in life and where they're going and what they're doing. And so I'm not surprised that that's, some, that's a point in time in a young lady's life where it would be the most impacted when they're deciding what they're doing and where they're going. That's really interesting. Well, and it's also a pivotal point about um, getting young girls interested in something before they hit puberty and before they start shifting their focus away from the topics that they're not all that interested in. I was interested in science and math all the way until the end of my high school career when I decided upon a career in journalism. But full circle back around, I'm back into touching, not definitely not understanding, we talked about that earlier, but touching some more technical and engineering and mathematical types of disciplines. And I find it fascinating. And so, but we notice that girls start to lose interest in some of those subjects when they're in seventh and eighth grade. Mm -hmm. So if we give them a reason to pursue those subjects when they're younger, it carries them through more successfully that time when they're wondering who they are and what they're all about, which seems to hit girls in middle school. Very cool. You know, um, Renee, I want to share something with you that's special to me is, is that here's a picture and that picture in the middle there is actually me and I'm holding the hand of my little sister who's three years younger than me and we're standing on the wing of an air coop, all right? And uh, I think that was probably the beginning of my career in aviation. But what I wanted to say is this, is, is that my dad always dreamed of being a pilot and he never became a pilot. And he even was building an airplane in the basement as I was growing up and he never became a pilot. And so what I'm saying is, is that parents have a tremendous impact 
on children and helping to foster their interests. And he saw that I was interested in aviation and he could see it. And he promoted that and he would take us out to the airport and we would sit on the runway and we would watch airplanes take off on Sunday afternoons from the car. And, you know, and he took me out to, to a friend who was an FAA administrator and he, you know, I went up for a ride in his helicopter and he just did all kinds of things to encourage it. And Renee, the pinnacle was this. I was 13 years old, which is just slightly older than what you said right there. Okay. And my dad took me to Oshkosh one year to the EAA flying, now called Air Venture. And he paid to put me in the front right seat of a Ford trimotor. I was done. I went home and I got my pilot's license right after that. Okay. But it's this idea where he was fostering and encouraging the things which he saw in me that I was interested in. And it was because of that, that my, my love for aviation, my passion for aviation, and now people tell me my obsession for aviation has continued to grow. But I cannot reinforce more than what you're saying is that we need to grab hold of young ladies and we need to encourage them to be successful, you know, and to move forward at a young age in the things which interest them. And introducing them to aviation is definitely one thing that we need to do. There's no question about that. Well, Mark, I want to draw attention to something else that you mentioned there. And that's that you learned an amazing life skill from your dad that I see you using every time I interact with you. And that's in encouraging other people around you to be the best that they can be. And that's a life skill. It's not just something that we should be applying to young women who are thinking about getting into aviation, but back to the point that we were discussing earlier, that's one thing that we can really do as um, slightly older people in aviation is encourage those people who are behind us that they can go farther than we ever went. Just like your dad encouraged you that you could go farther than he ever went. We can do the exact same thing. Every single one of us, where we sit today, right now, this very minute. And I think that's the key to your success. And I think that's the key to propelling our entire industry forward. Renee, a couple more questions here um, for you. Is it number one is, is that uh, what, um, if you could just narrow down to one or two points of advice right now to, to ladies out there, um, either dads that are trying to reach out to their younger you know, daughters or to ladies that are looking at how they can grow in aviation, just give me one or two tips of what people can do to help promote and foster aviation for women. You know, I often get asked the question, what would you tell your 25 year old self if you could go back in time and cheer her on? And I would say, take the risk. And so that's the advice that I typically give to absolutely every woman that I mentor or coach, take the risk. I saw John Maxwell this past weekend and, and uh, we were chatting and then he spoke and he talked about the only bad failure is one that you don't learn from. And failure is not the end of the world. I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, maybe a recovering perfectionist, but I've learned that failing has helped me to grow. So it's okay to fail. We should fail. We won't succeed if we don't fail first. So my first piece of advice is take the risk. And my second piece of advice is believe in yourself. And the reason that that's so important is that we are our worst critics and we are our worst negative self-talkers, right? So if we look in the mirror every day and say, 
you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you need to be a man to do that, or any of that other negative self-talk, we're robbing ourselves of a future. Instead, we need to be saying, you can do this. Get up and try again. You didn't die yesterday. You're still standing. Go out and put your best foot forward and get it this time. And if we still don't get it, we do it again. It's just important to keep trying. We haven't really given up or we haven't really failed unless we fail to try. Wow. That's really true. You know, Renee, the other day um, I heard a person who's very prominent um, uh, in, in the public right now today. I don't want to say his name because it would distract from the message, but but uh, he has daughters. And what he said was that somebody told my daughter recently, no, don't do that. Be careful. OK. And he said to that person, don't ever say that to my daughter. What he said was he said, I want to give them guidance and direction on how to be successful. I don't want to tell them to pull back. All right. And I just thought that was really a good piece of advice because so often we tell our, our children, be careful, be careful, don't do that, don't fall. You know, but what he was saying is give them direction, give them encouragement and guide them in the way to be successful. Don't tell them to be careful and pull back. Now, I understand what the message is as an overbearing parent or as a parent who wants to be careful, but I loved his response to that. You know, there's a great illustration of this in aviation, which I like to pull illustrations from, right? We need to tell our kids the sky's the limit, but the FAA has minimums for certain maneuvers for a reason. So as long as we're showing our kids where the boundaries are, and for us, that's an easy one to do with the FAA um, minimums for maneuvers and the FAA minimums for fuel uh, load on our airplanes, but we still need to be telling them the sky's the limit. Now, I there are still service ceilings. I get that, but they're pretty far up there yeah. from a perspective point of view. Yeah, Renee, you know um, my uh, my commercial instrument multi-engine instructor was a woman. Okay, and um, there's two things I remember about her. All right, number one, she was so hard on me. She was minimums. Don't go one inch below minimums. Okay, if that was the ground, you'd be dead. All right, and she was so hard on me. And you know what? I learned more from her than any other instructor that I've had probably in my entire life. Okay. It was amazing. Just really amazing. Yep. Boundaries are a very good thing. Yeah. Renee, one last question for you. I have to ask you this is that what are you most excited about regarding women in aviation today? My daughter is a pilot. My daughter got her commercial 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 instrument multi-engine rating on June 5th of 2020. So she took her final FAA uh, flying exam for her commercial during COVID. And um, I think I'm most excited about her being able to have whatever kind of career she wants in this industry. And then as I'm saying that, I realize that I'm even more excited about something else. And that's that my granddaughter, who just turned two, loves airpines. <laughs> airpines. Airpine. 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 I love it. She's I adorable. It. So creating that passion and that drive and that enthusiasm in the next generation is the thing I'm most excited about. It's also the most important thing. 
Very great. Very good. Well, listen, Renee, I have so enjoyed having this conversation with you today. We've been going for an hour right now. And uh, I think- No kidding? I know. Yeah. It's been 59 minutes, almost 60. So time flies very quickly. Um, And so, you know, we probably could go for a long time here, but listen, if people want to reach out to you and connect with you, um, what's the best way to do it? Um, LinkedIn's probably the best way. You can also email me at sales at wepushedin.com and that'll get filtered down to me. But feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. I am on Clubhouse every once in a while. So follow me on Clubhouse and join in. Mark and I appear in rooms together every once in a while talking about all things aviation. So we'd love to connect to you either of those two places. I've kind of forfeited other social media. So while I still have accounts there, I don't monitor them. Well, LinkedIn is an amazing place to connect. I'll tell you, it's a great place to reach out to people. You can direct message somebody and they usually always get it. And uh, Clubhouse, Renee and I have just started engaging on Clubhouse. Um, It's really a brand new platform. Elon Musk was on there the other night and practically crashed the platform. Um, I heard that. Yeah, we actually have a a room on Clubhouse tonight. Um, I do with some other people on Aviation Aerospace at six o'clock Pacific time. But uh, I wanted to I wanted to put another plug for LinkedIn, Renee, because um, I, I wanted to say this because my daughter has taught me this. All right, my daughter is a young professional in animation, not in aviation, in animation. Okay, and she actually works for DreamWorks right now. But uh, the thing is, is that is that um, early on I worked with her to help her understand the value of networking and how to use LinkedIn, and she is a pro on connecting with people on LinkedIn right now. And what she tells people is, is that I only give my secret weapon to a few of my closest friends because then I'll be competing with jobs with them. But she really is good about reaching out and connecting with people on LinkedIn. And it navigated her to get a job in Canada, to get a job in San Diego, to get a job in Los Angeles and another one in Los Angeles. And so LinkedIn is a great way, ladies, for you to connect with other people and to find new opportunities and to create relationships and networking. So I encourage you to do that because I find it very successful and other ladies in the industry do as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's great. A great point. I've connected with a lot of really fun people through LinkedIn and like you, Mark. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, listen, everybody, thanks for joining us today. We're going to wrap this up now here today and uh, we'll, uh, we'll close it down and we'll say, Renee, thank you so much. And I really, I I give you um, all the greatest respect and encouragement in this opportunity you have in helping encourage women um, uh, in aviation and on this advisory board. And I want to say to everybody out there watching is that if you have an opportunity to support diversity in aviation, women in aviation, do it, take it. We're all working toward creating that success. And uh, these programs that I've done now since early last year focus on recovery in aviation. And one very important success um, area, one very important sector of being successful in aviation is encouraging women to be more successful in aviation and creating opportunities for them to do that. And so as we all work together and lean into this challenging industry that we have right now, recovery in aviation really is at my heart. And I really want to ask all of you to do all you can to help Renee. And if you're watching this broadcast, share this broadcast and uh, help us to get the word out about women in aviation and how we can be successful in aviation. Renee? Thanks for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. Mark, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Hey, I always close our broadcasts and say fair winds and following seas to you. And today I got a special out that I'm going to do on the broadcast here today.
Hey, wait, don't go away yet. We have a lot more interesting information to come. Hey, I really appreciate you watching this broadcast, but in order for us to continue to bring this to you free, we have sponsors. I'd really appreciate it if you would just listen to our sponsor and then we'll get right back to the podcast. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Digital Aircraft Secrets podcast. Digital Aircraft exists to promote safe and efficient worldwide air transport Aviation connects the world. Aviation connects us as people. Join the conversation on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook at hashtag digital aircraft. Let's help the aviation industry be a thriving place for all of us to reach our dreams.